It is Monday, October 10th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. A jam-packed Sunday of NFL action. And the Major League Baseball Divisional Round is set. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Justin Tucker leads the Ravens to first place in the AFC North. Cooper Rush now 5-0 as Cowboys starting quarterback. And we've got Chiefs Raiders on deck tonight. What's the Vegas lead, AJ? Let's start with Sunday Night Football and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the first place Baltimore Ravens. That's right. A team that's been it's dealt with a lot of injuries so far this season. A team that people have already kind of been down on. You know, they're they're now sitting at three and two, which is good enough for first in the AFC North. Uh, but this is a team that's their their two losses to the Bills and the Dolphins were both games that they had firmly in hand. Mm-hmm. They went into today trailing they were two and two and they've trailed like 14 seconds all season which is amazing and I think the biggest takeaway for me from the Sunday night game was the Ravens defense came to play this was a this and everyone kept commenting on social media like this is the Ravens team we remember but it really was like this was the Ravens defense that you expected to see from them this year yeah I agree and they needed it to be that because this was not a night that Lamar Jackson dominated, which he's done for most of this season, has just carried this team on his shoulders. Uh, it was it was a grind tonight for for Lamar, and it was a gr- like the the Ravens rushing game actually had to come into play a little bit. Besides Lamar, who ran well again, uh, but J.K. Dobbins and Kenyon Drake had to play. There was Devin Duvernay had a, a huge game in the absence of Rashad Bateman. So your number one wide receivers out, you've hardly been able to run the ball with running backs all year. Mm-hmm. And Lamar has a pedestrian day. You think, uh Oh, but no, instead they, they walk away with a 1917 win and now sit in first place. And a lot of that was on the other side. Joe Burrow wasn't exactly great either. He was under pressure a, a, a ton again, uh, which has been kind of the theme of the season for him. Now only two sacks, but the what the Ravens did, and I thought was brilliant, was they basically said, "You're not going to beat us down the field. Mm-hmm. You guys have to find a way to dink and dunk to success." And that's just not really how the Bengals are built. And the Bengals couldn't get anything really going offensively all night. Joe Mixon, ooh, yeah. besides one like 12, 13 yard run, just it felt like two yards and fall down, two yards fall yeah. down. And if he's not going. The Bengals' offense is not going to go. Well, he hasn't gone all year. Yeah. So it's been disappointing. Uh, For the Baltimore Ravens, next week they will play the Giants at MetLife Stadium. There's a game now. Five and a half point favorites the Ravens are on the road. It's a big number on the road. It's a huge number because I always like to play the flip the script, right? And so let's put this game in Baltimore. The Giants are a, we'll talk about the Giants in a few minutes, but the Giants are a four and one football team. And let's give them a point and a half for being home. So we're saying Ravens five and a half neutral. We're going to make it seven 
Are the Ravens eight and a half to nine point favorites over the Giants if this game's in Baltimore? That's it's hard for me to say that they are, uh, but and especially because listen, the, the the Ravens are coming off, and thank goodness they got this win at least for them because you know they could have they could easily be two and zero on this homestand. And granted, you're playing the Bills and the Bengals, so the best team in the league and last year's Super Bowl rep. There's there's no shame necessarily, but to split these is big. But two really hard-fought games mm-hmm. uh, that, that came down to the very end. So, but here's my here's my big but: the Giants coming home from London without a bye, and that that is, is something a, we're gonna talk about. We yeah. have to talk about it. We I gave out the stat last week on the Dream Preview podcast when we were going through the NFL selections, and it's the reason why I liked the Chicago Bears over the Minnesota Vikings. And the stat was that only five times prior to this week had a team returned from London without a bye. And all five of those teams were either tied or losing in the fourth quarter of their next games. Here yesterday, we had two teams playing that returned from London without a bye. It was the Vikings and it was the Saints. Both teams were losing in the fourth quarter of their games. So you now have, and to think that the Vikings were actually losing in that game is kind of crazy because they they were in control in the first half. But that's the point. It's the fatigue sets in later in the game. And so next week, we'll talk about the Giants and the Packers, but you have the Giants and the Packers both playing next week without buys. So seven for seven now, teams that come from London without a bye week have been either tied or trailing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so that's some that's a trend I'm not exactly looking to jump in front of. Yeah. Uh, but certainly the Giants impressed today, and we might as well. Well, let, uh, let me ask you about the Bengals real quick before we get okay. to the Giants. At 2-3 and three now, and you kind of can look at the Rams as well, is there a hangover? We talk about the Super Bowl hangover all the time. We talk about the Super Bowl loser hangover. But this Bengals team does not look like, or you know what, maybe they do. Because were the Bengals really world beaters last year before the playoffs? No. And think about this. Does their, does their offensive line look any different than it did a year ago? And I know they like they went out and they invested in it. Mm-hmm. But offensive line isn't something that just changes overnight. It's It takes time to gel. And I think both those teams you mentioned – are just struggling to have any kind of continuity on the offensive line, just struggling to, to play together. And the Rams now, th- they've, they've faced three top pass rushing teams and they've gotten boat raced three times. Th- that's going to be the key to the Rams all season. Is, can the Rams give Matt Stafford any kind of time? The answer last night, or excuse me, yesterday, w- was no. W- the Cowboys were all over him. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's going to be as simple for a while. And this th- again, the Bengals, the Rams, you expect as the season goes on, the offensive lines gel a little bit. They get better. I, I do believe that can happen as long as they stay healthy. But for me, my, my handicap on Rams games going forward is what kind of pass rush does the other team have? Yeah. If it's strong, I'm, I'm fading the Rams. And if, that was that if was, it's weak, I give them a chance because the two, the two that the, the two wins they've got were against you know bottom tier pass rushes. And that was the biggest thing here. Matt Stafford sacked five times for minus 35 yards yeah. against the Dallas Cowboys. Sounds familiar, right? Didn't we talk about that last uh, last Tuesday's show right after Monday Night Football, yeah. right? And no running game whatsoever. Cam Akers stinks. I mean, there's just nothing there. 
they've got they have to figure out an answer at running back because it's not Daryl Henderson and it's not Cam Akers. You cannot go through an NFL season without even like a threat of running the football. And even the the best offenses, like the best quarterbacks, you think about Josh Allen, you think about Patrick Mahomes. The run game is certainly secondary, mm-hmm. but it's there. Like there's something. There's a like Clyde edwards helaire had a big game last week. Uh, you know, Devin Singletary's had a couple big games here and there. You, you've got to have some sort of a threat because if there's no threat that that for the Rams especially, that means there's no play action. Play action doesn't work if no one thinks you can run the ball. Last year they didn't really have much of a run game early on in the season. They bring in Sony Michelle, and for a stretch from like the I think it was maybe the whole month of December through January, Sony Michelle was borderline elite, 121 yards, 92 yards, 131 yards, 79 yards. Like, he was a real bell cow for them. And they didn't bring him back because, you know, Cam Akers was healthy, no need for another running back, and Sony Michelle's just, like, wasting away on the Chargers now. But they don't have a guy that they can rely on to toe the rock that much and get those yards. And without that, defenses are just going to pin their ears back, try and get after Stafford. Hey, I got breaking news on Matthew Stafford. He threw the ball to Allen Robinson yesterday. <laughs> he did. He, he threw the ball to Allen Robinson, three catches for 12 yards for a There you go. And that, that was a big, 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 big thing to see. Boy, imagine if Cooper Cup wasn't playing for the Rams. Like, what would their offense be? Isn't it amazing how... Every team that plays the Rams, just you know that Cooper Cup's getting the football. And no one can stop him. And no him, one can huh? stop him. Yeah, like, he, that's how good this guy is. He is something. Seven catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, another thing that came out of that uh, that football game between the Cowboys and the Rams, which, by the way, Cowboys win 22-10 to 10, if you didn't catch up on that yesterday. Uh, Cooper Rush was not good. Cooper Rush had a QBR of 16.8 yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh but 10 of 16 for 102 yards. He's 5 and 0. He got sacked 3 times and it didn't matter. Uh the 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 Cowboys and really Zeke Elliott had a very workmanlike yeah. 22 carries 78 yards. Luckily for the Cowboys, Tony Pollard had some explosiveness. He gets he breaks off that big 57-yard run, 8 carries, 86 yards, so he's averaging over 10 a carry. It was also it was the you know, they 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 turned him over a couple of times. It, yes. That was the big thing. Uh, strip sacks or whatnot, and and when the Cowboys' defense is playing like that, like they did at times last year, this is a scary team. It's amazing because everyone was so down on the Dallas Cowboys going into this year, and I'm guilty of it as well. I was down on the Dallas Cowboys. I was too. But without Dak Prescott, <laughs> this team is 4-1. and one. Yeah, and what, what other team are we talking about playing with a backup quarterback and like, oh, they, they've – they're a real contender. It's a they're right in it, the NFC East has the most wins in football, by the way. Yeah. And you have the Eagles that are undefeated, the Giants and the Cowboys are both four and one. And I I I think that I might be crazy saying this, but the Cowboys four and one to me is a bigger surprise than the Giants four and one. Think about this also. If you were if you were to like power rate the quarterbacks in the NFL, like by division. It's like Jalen Hurts is probably a, 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 an above-average quarterback. Yeah. Cooper Rush, Carson yeah. Wentz, Daniel, Daniel Jones, yeah. all well below average. Mm-hmm. Yet somehow all these teams are – I shouldn't say all these teams. Three of the four teams are doing well. The what the guy with the, the biggest pedigreed quarterback, he's terrible. Well, but defense. 
Yep, the defenses have stepped up all for all those teams, teams. All those teams are playing defense. Yep. And so the Cowboys are now 4-1. Cooper Rush 5-0 is the Cowboys starting quarterback. No word on Dak Prescott, although it, it, it appears that he's coming back soon. And it's amazing to have this conversation. I'm not no, I'm not having the conversation about, you know, should they start Cooper Rush right. over Dak Prescott? But the idea that the Cowboys have changed the way that they have been playing. And when Dak comes back, should they stick to this script? This is what I'm going to say. I, if I'm the to, Cowboys. It's easy to just say Dak's back. Let's start unloading down the field. If I'm the Cowboys. That's not the way they've been winning. I start Cooper Rush against Philly on Sunday night this coming week. And win or lose, you can say, okay, we lost to the we lost to the Eagles with our backup quarterback. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Dak comes back the next week. You know who the opponent is? The Lions. The Lions. Yeah, you, you know who will get you right? Yeah. The Lions. No, but like, the, 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 conversation, the, the point I'm trying to make is that the way that the Cowboys have been playing is a certain style. Cooper Rush has been a game manager. Yeah. They're not taking a ton of shots down the field. They're running the ball effectively with Zeke and Tony Pollard. They're playing great defense. It, I don't. I, the fear for me, and again, I don't, I don't care. I'm not a Cowboys fan. Right. I don't have money in, in, invested in the Cowboys. If anything, I want the Cowboys to lose because I got Eagles futures. Um, I feel like it would be easy for them to just say, Dak's back, let's open up the offense a bit. But maybe this conservative approach is what's doing them best. What's the goal for the Cowboys this year? Win football games. I mean, what, what the, the grand goal. I mean, Super Bowl. It, okay, if that's the case, you're not winning the Super Bowl playing like this. You're not going to beat Kansas City or Buffalo, dinking and dunking and and grinding out you know you know six minute uh, drives that end in a field goal. So you're saying other- you're saying a box score ten of sixteen for hundred and two yards with no touchdowns that is not is- going to do it. Josh Allen, who had like three hundred and forty yards at halftime, four touchdowns at halftime. That's not going to keep up. It's hard to keep pace with that. So I think if the grand goal is to win the Super Bowl, which I think for the Cowboys that's that's certainly in play right now. You start four and one, you should be feeling that way. And if that's the case, then Dak Prescott is your best long term your best long term shot at it. Cowboys averaging eighteen point six points per game, but their defense only allowing fourteen point four. Sticking in the NFC East, let's go to London. The the, the New York Giants. Those Yanks went over and, uh, <laughs> and they beat the Green Bay Packers. And this was a game that for most of the game, it it really didn't feel like there was much of a threat. Like mm-hmm. it, the, the Packers seemed like they were kind of cruising. And then it, it, I would say, I guess it was probably maybe early fourth quarter, the tide just started to turn. And when it turned, it turned really fast. And suddenly it was a tie game. The pa- the Packers offense had just stopped. It, it grinded to a nothing. And then the Giants go ahead. And now all of a sudden the Packers are in a spot where it's like, okay, this offense, it's done absolutely nothing for since halftime. Mm-hmm. We've got to go get a game-winning drive. And you know what? The Giants came up with big stops, uh, a batted ball. like A couple of batted balls. Yeah, the, Giants, defense, the Giants – Front played well. Kayvon Thibodeau played well. 
They got good pressure on Aaron Rodgers. They didn't bring him down a bunch, but they were able to, you know, with those two batted balls, they got in the way. They affected throws. The secondary played well. No one really ate him up, you know. A couple of deep shots to Alan Lazard were defended really well. And for the Giants, Saquon Barkley dominated this football game. Scary moment when he fell on his shoulder and you thought maybe, oh, no, but he came back in. It's funny you say dominated, but the way Saquon's played, if you if I told you going into the game Saquon's going to rush 13 times for 70 yards, you would have gone, okay, I'd like a little more. Yeah, no, like, he, had, he, had, he had the receiving yards as well. He, so did. he had over 100 yards from scrimmage. I mean, if I told you Saquon had over 100 yards from scrimmage and I touched him, probably feel good. you'd say, yeah, okay, I'll sign up for that every yeah. single game. I think the key was Daniel Jones running the ball. Dan- Daniel Jones, who a lot of people questioning his health, myself included, was a little worried about his health coming mm-hmm. into this game. Uh, showed some mobility and took some chances, ran the ball well, and kept a couple drives alive that looked like they were going to sputter out. So just a really – this is, again, none of these teams in the NFC East play pretty football. Like Even the Eagles. The Eagles are the best one of the bunch probably. And it's not pretty. It's I, like it's 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 grimy, and there's you can respect it for sure. What's but it's, amazing is this Giants team is taking the personality of their head coach already, and it's only been five games. But you can see the attitude that Brian Dable has brought to this team, the way that he it, that his intensity on the sidelines, the celebrations after the game, it, they have really just taken into him. And they're fighting. They're playing great defense. They're it's smash mouth football, which it's nice to see in 2022. I, I made the joke last week. Part of my handicap on this game, I said last week the Giants played like a service academy. The wide receivers only three touches of the football. It was tight ends and it was running backs. And here in this game, I mean Darius Slayton had a nice game, but really that was it. Daniel Bellinger, the tight end, getting involved. Uh, you know, Marcus Johnson, who's a backup wide receiver, had a couple of catches, but it was Saquon who had uh, a big day. They, you know, had contributions from other running backs as well. Matt Breida had a couple of carries. Gary Brightwell runs it in from the goal line. So this is just a really, uh, a really solid team collaborative effort right now from the New York football giants. And at four and one, I know I have a vested interest in this because, I got a plus 110 bet with RJ and a plus 120 bet with Fezzik that the Giants make the playoffs. <laughs> but at 4-1 and one right now, looking at a schedule, all right, Ravens are difficult, but you got... Listen, you just the, the Giants just won a game they weren't supposed to win. Sure. It's a, it, when you made that bet, you probably X'd, so, X'd this game off and said, okay, that's probably a loss. So I'll just say this. I'm not going to go through the whole schedule, but they have to play the Commanders twice. Yeah. They have to play... The Jaguars, the Texans, and the Lions. The Giants are four wins away from just being an eight and nine football team. Yeah. And in the NFC, eight and nine might get you that third wild card. I think a lot of it, a lot of the Giants, yeah, that bet, a lot of it comes down to where the Giants sit in that pecking order with the Eagles and the Cowboys, because those head to head games mean so much. Of and, course. And the Cowboys already have one up on them. But with the with a chance to get a third wild card, right? It's going to be very difficult for the Giants who start the season off at four and one to not get a piece of one of those wild yeah. cards. And listen, the teams that you would say are competing with them, you'd, you'd automatically look to the NFC West. 
You see the Rams scuffling. You see the Cardinals scuffling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's really it looks like that might be a one team division. And then the NFC North, you assume, let's say the Vikings and the uh, and, and the Packers make it. Who else? So there's going to be th- – it could easily be three teams think, from one division. Think right? about it this way right now. You look at the NFC playoff picture. The seventh seed and that final wild card, that third wild card, is the Green Bay Packers at 3-2. and two. Yeah. Every other team in the NFC is sub-500. That's wild. 8-9, eight, 8 through 16 are all below 500. The Packers at 3-2 and two are – that's it. Everyone else is 2-3. and three. There's not another 3-2 and two team that's like a tiebreaker. Like the 3-2 the and two teams are division winners. And also think about it this way. Of those two and three teams, uh, two, two and three or worse, mm-hmm. save the Rams. I mean, the Rams are the best of the bunch. Like, do you see anybody else making a real turnaround? Saints, Cardinals, Bears, Falcons. The Saints, the Saints no. with Andy Dalton. No. Like, like, nope. <laughs> yeah. So it, I do think you're you're very live in that bet. Uh, speaking of the Packers, Aaron Rodgers was not happy about the the post game conversation. Jair Alexander was asked. Uh, if they were worried about the defense. And Jair Alexander said, I ain't worried, but if we lose next week, then I'll be worried. But it's a new situation for everybody, new circumstances, sleep patterns. It's a whole adjustment here in London. Here's what Aaron Rodgers had to say about that. Frankly, I don't like all this conversation about losing next week. I'm a firm believer in the power of words and manifestation. And we got to check ourselves on that because talking about that is not – that's not winning football. There was conversation about it in the locker room, and I don't like it. And uh, Josh, my guy, but we don't need to be talking like that. So th- this is the 2022 version of R E L A X. Sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, it does. But uh, next week, the Packers are seven-point favorites to the Jets. Jets are a scrappy bunch, a scrappy team. That although <laughs> I will say this. And the Jets did get a victory over the Miami Dolphins, who had to play with their third quarterback, third string quarterback, seventh round Skyler Thompson from Kansas State. Yeah. And Mike McDonald, uh, or Mike McDaniel tried to do the best that he could to, uh, to, to work a game plan for him. But Skyler Thompson, 19 of 33 passing, 166 yards, and an interception. The New York Jets are 3-2. and two. In their three victories, they have beat Jacoby Brissett, Mitchell Trubisky slash Kenny Pickett, and now Skylar Thompson. Yeah. In their two losses, they lost to Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Huh. Now they will Seems have, like a pattern. Now they will have to face Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and the Dolphins situation right now feels pretty wild considering – Couple weeks into the season, the Dolphins were beating the Bills. Their chests were puffed out. Everybody was thinking, "Uh oh, this team's got something Tua going." Tua looked great. You lose Tua. Now you lose Teddy Bridgewater. Where is this team going? That game completely changed when Teddy went out. I know 100%. it was early, but I feel like the whole team just took a gut punch when Teddy Bridgewater Listen, got knocked. You go out. from Tua to one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. That's one thing to go from one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league to a seventh round rookie. That's that's a whole nother or story. It just listen. You had they had an extended break because they played last Thursday, so they had the mini buy, and they knew that Tua wasn't going to play. So for ten days, they worked with Teddy Bridgewater. They came up with a game plan for Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sure Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and everybody was happy to work with Teddy Bridgewater 
and then he gets knocked out, and all of a sudden, it's everything you worked on for the past week is thrown out the window. That You can't win a football game that way. No. And, and how about the Jets with the winning record? The Jets and Giants both have winning records at the same time. Right now, the last time that happened was week seven of 2015. <laughs> it's been almost seven years since the Jets and Giants both had a winning record at the same time. Eli Manning and Ryan Fitzpatrick weren't even old guys then. <laughs> no. <laughs> at, at the end of their primes. <laughs> yeah, pretty wild to think about. All right, let's take a look around the rest of the league. We'll go rapid fire through these. The Buffalo Bills, 38-3 win over the Steelers. Kenny Pickett has a, a decent day, 327 yards, no touchdowns and a pick, but Josh Allen – Looked like MVP Josh Allen, 424 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, and a lot of that to Gabe Davis, who had 171 yards on three catches, yeah, two, two bomb touchdowns. Shots. The 98 yarder was just such a gut punch there. The, the Bills run for 6.7 yards per carry. They had 10.2 yards per play. That's good. This is a force right now, and. Listen, one thing I do know about the Bills over the last couple of years, they beat up on bad teams. They will run yeah. the score up on bad teams. But the fact that Josh Allen was near 350 yards at halftime, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what kind of a good team would have stopped him or slowed him down today. He, it was one of those days for Josh Allen. And Pittsburgh, one and four now, this may be the time where we see, like we, we've always heard, Mike Tomlin's never had a mm -hmm. losing season. Well, he's never he's never had to to deal with, the things that they're dealing with now. The secondary's beat up. You could tell today Minka Fitzpatrick, not healthy. Yeah. Quarterback situations, not ideal, certainly. So you feel for Mike Tomlin, who, but then again, then again, do you? Because he hasn't had to deal with much of no, this in his career. No, never had a losing season. Uh, the Bills next week, a point and a half favorites at the Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to be a great game. Great game. The LA Chargers, 30 28 winners over the Cleveland Browns. Okay, I got to ask you. Your thoughts on Brandon Staley's decision to go for the fourth down at the 46-yard line to either ice the game or give the Browns back the football with a chance to kick a game-winning field goal instead of punting it away down the field? I think that it is – Brandon Staley may be the guy who's too smart for his own good, and he's got all these ideas that he's written down on a spreadsheet somewhere, and it looks all really nice and clean on that spreadsheet, but in in a functional sense, it doesn't always work. So that seemed like an error to me, although I will give him this. I say this all the time. You pay guys like Justin Herbert to do jobs – and then you pay punters to do other jobs. And the disparity between their salaries is great for a reason. Mm -hmm. One guy you trust a lot more to do his job than the other, and especially knowing knowing all the injuries that they've got on the defensive side of the ball right so now. Was, do you think that was him not trusting his defense? I think so. Because you could have punted the ball away. There's a minute 14 left, and – you're hoping you pin Cleveland deep in their own territory. I think you you would prefer to not have your defense ever walk onto the field. Just put the ball in Justin Herbert's hands and say, yeah. get, gain one yard and win me the game. And this is the story of Brandon Staley's coaching career is this. When it works, he's a genius. When it doesn't, he's a dope. Yep. In this case, 
It it didn't work, it, but it worked out in the end <laughs> because Cleveland missed the field. It goal. works out in the end, so Brandon <laughs> Staley's not going to take too much grief this week. Nick Chubb, what a day! 134 yards, two touchdowns. Austin Eckler, what a Austin day! Austin Eckler as well, yeah. So some really good, uh, some really good running back before, and I guess Mike Williams, what a day too! Ten catches for 134 yards. So 30-28, the Chargers get that win. Let's look at the Minnesota Vikings win over the Chicago Bears, 29. 29- 22. And I'll be honest, if you told me that the Bears were going to put up 22 points in this game, I would have been worried if I was a Vikings fan because the the Bears offense has done nothing this year. This was the, I mean 22 points, probably the best they've looked. Yeah. But uh Justin Fields serviceable today or yesterday and this was a, a perfor- 15 to 21 208 yards and a touchdown. Kirk Cousins though had himself a really fine day, especially the first half. Uh, just looked phenomenal. Kirk Cousins is one of these guys who's going to win you some games and lose you mm-hmm. some games. And today was winning Kirk Cousins' day. He he looked really good. This game, if you look at the stats, you are baffled at how this was a close game. The Vikings had 29 first downs <laughs> to the Bears' 14. The Vikings had 429 yards of offense to the Bears 271. The Vikings held the football for 36 minutes and 44 seconds. How in the world were they losing in the fourth quarter to the Chicago Bears? But I brought it up, the London factor, coming home. Maybe the fatigue set in, I don't know, but the Bears had a lead in the fourth quarter. The I'm going to say this was the most surprising final result of the day. The New England Patriots 29-0 winners over the Detroit Lions, and the so, zero is what's yes. really alarming. Lions highest scoring coming to this week, highest scoring team in the NFL, but they have also given up the most points in the NFL. So uh, I joked about uh, in the Dream Pod the tweet that I send out all the time with the Lions: No Lions game is ever over, but every Lions game goes over. Yeah. Not the case here on Sunday because this total was low. Their lowest total of the season. I think it was like 44 maybe. And I didn't think about this at the time. Now, I didn't pick this game. Did you? Are you talking about Jared Goff and, and no. Bill Belichick? <laughs> no. This was the first Lions game played outdoors this season. Oh, that's interesting. First four games, they had three at home and one in Minnesota. This was their first game played outdoors and maybe the wind maybe the grass I I don't know but the Patriots ran all over them and the Lions offense this is a this is an offense that scored what they score 45 points last week without DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown and all on the back of TJ Hawkinson who had one catch for six yards today yeah they couldn't do anything (laughs) on offense against the Patriots so whether it was Bill Belichick drawing up a, a good game plan. He or knows how to make golf look really, really maybe, bad. Maybe, or just the inefficiencies overall. But the Lions uh, really were never in this game. The Tampa Bay Bucks 21-16 over the Atlanta Falcons. And the talk of the day is the late flag that would have given, oh, the, it's a joke. It would have given the Falcons a chance joke. to win the game. Tom Brady roughing the passer call on Grady Jackson, who... 
tackled now, Tom I, Brady. Now, I get it. Tom Brady gets special treatment. It can't be that special. It, but it's it happens all the time in sports, right? You know, the, the, the LeBron gets different treatment when he drives the lane, although he would argue with the refs that he doesn't. But stars get different treatment. And when Tom Brady gets thrown to the ground as violently as he did, granted, it's a football play, and a 300-plus-pound man is rolling over. His momentum is going to take him somewhere. I, that should not have been called a roughing the passer, but I understand why it was. I, I just don't. I, I don't. What's he supposed to do? What could he have done differently? He, he grabbed him by the hips he could and have, spun him down. They, he could have done the thing where, you know, you let go and you just hold your hands up and just that's it. You're like, like I'm done. I'm done tackling him. But when he whipped him around and threw him to the side, that was deemed he, he, excessive. He literally rolled him over his own body. I get it. I, I get it. Do, <laughs> would I have called it? No. Do I think it should have been called? No. But do I understand it? Because it, if, if any other quarterback, it doesn't happen. If that's Cam Newton, they throw a flag on Cam Newton. You know? <laughs> <'Cause> yeah. <laughs> no one else gets that call uh, except for Tom Brady. And unfortunately for the Falcons, it was the call that, that sealed the deal because they played well in the fourth quarter where the Bucks just stopped scoring on offense. And despite the loss, the Falcons remain undefeated against the spread. They are 5-0 and now ATS this season. They're the only team in the NFL that is undefeated against the spread next week. Do we ride the Falcons team as they are 6 Point home dogs to the San Francisco 49ers. Ooh, West Coast to East Coast. That's a, that's going to be one to watch for sure. Uh, I don't like the San Francisco 49ers. Well, we to, need to know, is San Francisco staying on I'm the East Coast? I'm almost certain they won't. They're not going to stay I don't because they were they in Carolina. Yep, I don't think they will. But that's something to monitor as well. Okay. All right, the Tennessee Titans, 21-17 winners over the Washington Commanders. A game that I didn't see a lot of today. Uh, Brian Robinson coming back was the... The big story of the day, nine carries, 22 yards for him uh, after being shot twice in the leg. Derrick Henry, 102 yards, two touchdowns, not very efficient, though. So uh, Washington had a chance to win it, though. They get down to the goal line, and Carson Wentz throws the interception. Yeah, could have, been, was, could have been a different play call, could have been better execution. This was a bad day for quarterback play. Ryan Tannehill, 178 QBR. Neither quarterback played particularly well. Just an ugly game. Uh Speaking of San Francisco, the 49ers absolutely smashed the Carolina Panthers, 37-15 the final. No one ever wants to trust me. RJ <laughs> wants to bet me. No one wants to believe me. It's a square play. The Carolina Panthers are terrible. Do not be surprised if by the time you listen to this podcast, Matt Rule's fired. <laughs> because they have now lost 25 straight games when allowing the opponent to score 17 points. They are 1-27 under Matt Rule when allowing the opposing team to score 17 points. The 49ers dominated this game. They didn't even play that great, but the Panthers are so bad. Baker Mayfield got benched at the end of the game for P.J. Uh, Walker. I know he's dealing with a foot injury, and he's in a walking boot, I guess, after the game, so we'll figure out what his status is. But he is. was bad when he was in. He, he came into this game with the worst QBR. What did I say? It was 15 coming into this game. Well, he improved it. 
He was the worst quarterback in the NFL, and the Panthers were the worst offense per play up based on EPA in the NFL. The 49ers just route them, uh, and and we'll find out what San Francisco does because they have to go to Atlanta here. So are they staying on the East Coast or not? But the Carolina Panthers next week have to play in L.A. against the Rams, and I just don't see them being competitive at all. If Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he looked today, that's a competitive team. That, that, like I'm talking about competitive for the NFC. Jimmy Garoppolo was sure. good enough with the rest of that roster to be competitive for well, they the look, NFC. The, they, they look right now like the best team in that division. Yeah. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, 39. The Seahawks, 32. Taysom Hill signing. Uh, siding, I should say. Taysom Hill comes in and really a force for this team. 112 yards on nine carries Three touchdowns on the ground. He also threw for one. One passing yeah. touchdown. Really changed the entire outlook of that game when he came in. And Geno Smith played well again. Yeah. This dude is balling. He's having an incredible season. But maybe it's not the Lions that are, you know, the high-scoring offense, bad defense. It's the Seahawks. Uh, because their offense is going to be capable of making plays. But defensively, come up with a stop. When Taysom Hill's in the game, you know they're running. Now, I know at the end they did that one pass play, but prior to that pass play, he had already run for a couple of touchdowns. So you got to come up with – you got to stop that. And they were unable to stop whatever you want to call it, wildcat. I don't know. They were unable to stop it when Taysom Hill came into the game. Houston Texans 13, the Jags 6. The Texans get their first win of the year. Trevor Lawrence bad last week. Less bad this week, but not much. Uh, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and the Texans behind a strong running game. Yeah, uh, were able to get the win against Jacksonville and continue Nine their dominance. Straight, yeah. yeah. Nine straight wins over Jacksonville. It's hilarious, AJ. You know, for every person that wants to take the Jags against the Colts in Jacksonville because they own them since 2014. They've never lost to the Colts in Jacksonville. Are the same people that just completely ignore the Jaguars losing eight straight coming into yesterday against the against the Texans. Did you know that the Jaguars were the most selected team in Circa Survivor yesterday? I did not know that. Who in their right mind was taking that? Why? What, do they not know? I just I, – I, I, I sound like a Jacksonville hater, but one game, one good game against a banged-up Chargers defense, and all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence is, is great and this Jaguars team is winning the, the AFC South? People are like, got to take this team at plus 200 now to win the division because it's odds are going to get shorter. I think it's very similar to the Saints phenomena that you they were looking for someone that wasn't Tampa. And now everybody's looking in the AFC South because clearly not the Colts. Someone who's not Tennessee and the closest thing is, is Jacksonville. 449 people, 36.7% wow. of the remaining Circa Survivor pool took the Jacksonville Jaguars. Congratulations, because now you're out. The Philadelphia Eagles, our last game, 20, the Cardinals, 17. And this game, really close. Came down came down to the end. and The left-looking birds beat the right-looking birds. Yes, they did. And that, that's, a, that's a logo joke, people. If you, go look at, <laughs> if you go look at the Eagles logo and the Cardinals logo. Uh, this one's was, looking this way, one's looking this way. And this guy's just saying, hey, what do you want me to do about it? This was the, <laughs> the grittiest performance yet for the Eagles. They had to fight a little bit, even in the first half, which they haven't had much sweat in the first half. 
Cardinals, after they got down 14-0, the Cardinals fought back, made this game Mm -hmm. uh, competitive to the bitter end. And Kyler Murray, solid game. Uh, made a mistake on, on one throw, but overall, well, he a also solid made a game. mistake at the end by sliding down instead of getting the first down. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I I, I kind of thought he had the first down too. So but you, the, remember, it's where, sli- you it's where you start the slide. That's the, sure because if they're going to protect you, they have to pen- they have to punish you. So it's where you start the slide. There is where you're down. Um, the Cardinals, I think this trend is going to continue, and we're going to have to keep betting it because they have. They have not scored a first quarter touchdown this entire season. They are not good on the script, and, and so you you have to look at them moving forward now. And, and you and I both gave out best bets on the Eagles in the first half. Again, a little bit of a sweat, but they still covered the three in the first half. Now you have the Cardinals playing next week in Seattle against the Seahawks, and I, I think you got to take the Seahawks in the first quarter uh, or first half. Arizona, by the way, two and a half point favorites at Seattle. Oof. I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I can give two and a half points on the road with that team. I am not doing that, but I like Seattle in the first half. All right. One game left in the NFL's week five, and that is tonight. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Chiefs, seven point favorites basically across the board. Uh, the Chiefs are one of these teams right now that it's hard to it's hard to bet against. Certainly, mm-hmm. uh, you you gotta you gotta be a strong contrarian if you want to put your money down against the Chiefs right now. But in the past, that's that's worked. What are your thoughts on the game tonight? So I'm gonna give out a best bet here, and it's gonna be the Kansas City Chiefs in the first half. And what we saw from the Buffalo Bills was a dominant first half and then take the foot off the gas pedal in the second half. Now, why do I bring up the Bills? Because the Bills and Chiefs play next week. That is a huge game. It's the first time they're playing each other since the 13 seconds. So I think the Kansas City Chiefs, knowing that the Bills are up next, and it is a short week to prepare for the Buffalo Bills, will try and run up the score as much as they can on their first four or five possessions should they get so many in the first half, and then they'll cruise in the second half. Give me the Chiefs in the first half. I don't hate that, actually. It's a, it's a, a sage point that you're making, and I, I don't have a good argument against it. So, yeah, that sounds like a, a solid shot there. I'm looking at Josh Jacobs. Uh, he played a, great last week. I'm looking at him as a receiver. Uh, the, the number on him right now is 18 and a half. And it looks like there, this is a Josh McDaniels thing. He's, this is him saying, okay, we don't have the guys, you know, the, the typical Patriots ball catching backs. Mm -hmm. So let's just use Josh Jacobs here. So Josh Jacobs has, has gotten a lot of third down snaps, got a lot of usage as a pass receiver and, Who's allowed the most yard, receiving yards per game to running backs this year? The Kansas City Chiefs. Well, it makes sense because the Chiefs have been winning. And when yes. you're playing from behind, you're throwing the ball a lot. The defense is playing soft coverage. They're allowing you to get those dump-offs, right? Or a lot of the times, the, the defensive line is paying their ears back. They're rushing the quarterback, and when the quarterback's under pressure— his safety valve is that running back who blocks for a little bit and then releases. So I think it's it makes sense. It lines up 
to have the running back, the opposing running back, catch a ton of passes. So at 18 and a half? Yeah, like he had, what do you have, 30? He had five catches, 31 yards last week. Yeah, I'll take my shot with him. So uh, Josh Jacobs over 18 and a half yards. Will Are be we my... both on a, a Chiefs win? I think the Chiefs win. Do they I, cover? I think they cover. I, yeah, I, that was on my. So do I. Uh, it was on my my five plays on our our podcast earlier in the week. Uh, that was at six and a half, but at seven, I, I feel the same way. I just I feel like the Chiefs are just uh, they're too good right now, and at home, I, I don't see the Raiders hanging around with them. The, the, the Chiefs have owned the Raiders. We talk about teams mm-hmm. owning other teams. You're right. Patrick Mahomes has lost once to the Raiders in his whole entire life. This is a guy who just dominates. His, and I get it's a new coaching staff. I, I, I'm not getting in the way of what Patrick Mahomes is doing right nope, now. No, but best bet, Chiefs first half. That's what we're going with. They should have a touchdown lead by the time this thing gets to the locker room. And I, my best bet is going to be Jacobs over receiving yards. AJ, the Major League Baseball divisional round is now set. We had one game three. Isn't that crazy? All these wild cards. Yeah. You had four wild card series. Only one of them went to a third game, and that was the Mets and the Padres. The Padres win 6 nothing yesterday. They get an amazing performance from Joe Musgrove, who throws uh, seven innings of one-hit baseball. One hit. That's all we got yeah. is one damn one. hit. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly what happened. The Mets became the first team in baseball history to have only one hit in a winner-take-all playoff game. Let that sink in. Wow. That's the only time in a winner-take-all game, which would be like a Game 7 or a wild-card game or a Game 163, the only time the team has been held to just one hit. Joe Musgrove was great, but was... He aided by a foreign substance. They went out and checked him, and they said no. This was the story of the game. If you were watching or just following along on social media, the every time they showed Joe Musgrove on the screen with the close-up, it looked like his ear was glistening. It was a cool night in Queens, New York. Not a lot of sweat or perspiration that would have caused a glistening. You don't know of what kind of ear. pressure he was under. And I don't I don't think many people's <laughs> ears sweat like that. But anyway, the the it wasn't just because maybe Buck Showalter or someone in the Mets organization was alerted to the images that were circulating around social media of Joe Musgrove's uh, glistening ear or the video clips that showed Joe Musgrove touching his ear every inning. It was the fact that his spin rate last night was through the roof. He had a higher spin rate on all of his pitches last night than he averages the entire season. So the Mets were unable to touch him. The the, the stat cast showed an alarmingly high spin rate for Joe Musgrove. (laughs) And there was the fact that he kept touching his ear and the video clips of him having the glistening ear. So at the start of the bottom of the sixth inning, Buck Showalter goes out to talk to the umpires and says, hey, let's check this guy out. So they check his hands. They check his glove. They check his hat. And they even touched his ears, AJ. Yep. And they didn't determine that there was any foul play it's get, call it gamesmanship, call it what you want. Maybe Buck was trying to throw off Musgrove's rhythm. I don't know. 
I thought it was warranted because of, like I said, the spin rate. And Certainly then, worth going and taking. I mean, absolutely go, go take, take a, a look. look. And, and you know what? If it is gamesmanship, who cares? What are you going to do, Joe Musgrove? You got to throw at the next guy? Put a base runner on. That's what the Mets need. So, <laughs> right? And uh, what did Musgrove do? Well, he proceeded to pitch great, strike out some guys, gesture towards the Mets dugout and leave the game after seven innings of one-hit baseball. This has to be a tough uh, a tough feeling for the Mets, who this is like the third time in their history they've won 100 games, and they go home empty-handed. Uh, and really, it, it boiled down to their last week of baseball not being enough. Played poorly enough at the in the last few games of the regular season yeah. and in this playoff series. When you look at their September, and, I mean, they had an opportunity to win this division. They were winning the division the whole year, and they wind up being tied with the Braves but losing out on the tiebreaker. But you can point to getting swept by the Chicago Cubs in middle in the middle of September. You can point to losing two out of three to the Washington Nationals uh, in the, um, I guess that was the beginning of September. You know, these are games that the Mets should, if they would have won one of those games, they're division champs. Think yeah. about that. Instead of getting swept by the Cubs, you win one of those games, you're division champs. But now they they were forced to play in the wild card game. And I, I get it. This is the format of the Major League Baseball postseason. But it just seems wrong, AJ, that you could win 101 games and your season is over because you go one and two in a three-game series. It just win your division. I, I, yeah, and that's and that's that's probably the right argument, and it's the be, it's it's really the only argument to make. Like there has to be an award, there has to be a prize for winning your division, yeah. and the prize is you don't have to play in this wild card. But they're all. I, I mean, think about this: the Cardinals won their division. That's the point, I'm and trying they to lose make. two games; they're gone. So. That's the point I, I was going to bring up: that you could also have division winners that lose. Yeah. I think there needs to be a punishment for being the wild card teams. And it's not good enough. And I know they tried to tweak it this year by saying, hey, it's two out of three. And this is, this is the first year of this new format. But it's two out of three, and it's um, all three games in the one home ballpark. That felt like a big advantage. for, the, And, of course, the two teams who had it in the NL both lost. Yes, but I, it feels like not, a massive advantage. I don't think it is. I, I Maybe the crowd, whatever, batting, having the hammer. I think what should happen and it'll never happen, but what should happen is if you are that higher-seeded team, especially if you're a division winner, or maybe it's just if you're a wild-card team that wins 100 games, you should only have to win once, and the other team has to win twice. Uh, I don't know. I'm not crazy, but listen, you if you're going to win the World Series, you're going to have to win a best of seven at some point. Like If you can't win a best of three against another wild-card team, what are we even doing here? Like this is I mean, it sucks for the Mets, but listen, Max Scherzer blew it. However you want to look at it, yeah, they, that's they had their the, that's had, the thing you can say. You say the Mets had to win two games and they had Scherzer and DeGrom. You said yourself, yeah. and I know you had a like you had a, an interest in the Mets, but you said yourself, when you've got Scherzer and DeGrom in a three game series, and, how do you lose? And DeGrom did his part. You lost. DeGrom did his part, Scherzer did not do his. Because I, I do think you have to while while it's easy to say we're punishing the Mets for this, you've got to give the Padres credit because in a series where they had to face DeGrom and Scherzer, yeah. they won two out of three. That should be enough for them to move on. And the, and the, going into this series, the Padres' mentality was we just have to beat one of them. Yep. You don't have to beat both. They did not get to Jacob DeGrom. They were 
<laughs> they did get to Max Scherzer though. And now my thought, and I could you could second guess Buck Showalter all you want. I would have thrown Jacob DeGrom in the first game. And I understand that the Mets wanted to hold him back for a potential game three, or if they win game one, then he's, you know, can start game one of the, if they win in two, he can start game one of the division series. I don't play that game. I throw my best arm in game one. And it should have been Jacob DeGrom in the first game of this series. And then if the Mets lose that, then you go to Scherzer in the second game or whatever. But if but, you remember, mm-hmm. you said, I kind of like that they're throwing Scherzer first because he's a workhorse. So if they have yeah. to throw him on short rest in the next series, they can do it. So it, it, there's always a balance to those things. Yep. But kudos to the Padres and spin rate, however you got it. <laughs> uh, they had it and a, and a nice series win for them. And now – they get to go fight that dragon, as they've been saying. Yep. Slay the dragon. Good luck. So the division series are all set. We'll preview those more coming up on tomorrow's show. But the Braves will uh, play the Phillies. Uh, Braves are minus 180. Phillies plus 155 on the comeback. The Yankees against the Guardians. Yankees minus 210. Guardians plus 165. Astros and the Mariners. Uh, Houston minus 215. Seattle plus 185 on the comeback. And the Dodgers, Padres. Dodgers minus 200. Padres plus 165. And since there is only one game tomorrow, and we've already spent some time previewing it, there will be no look ahead. But I do want to hit one more thing before we get out of here this morning. Alabama dropped from the number one spot in the polls after a close win over Texas A&M. I don't know that. Listen, I think those top three are are kind of interchangeable at the moment. Mm -hmm. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. So I don't hate it. Uh, Georgia with a dominant performance against Auburn. And I, there's a lot of people saying, listen, A&M really outplayed Alabama. Maybe so. The best college football player in the world was on the sideline for this game. Yeah. So I, punishing Alabama here seems a little bit off, but I do believe Alabama's got a chance to move right back to number one uh, as they face Tennessee next week or this weekend. And they are currently seven-point favorites at Rocky Top. Do we take Tennessee plus the points? I'm not. Tennessee's secondary. Think about Tennessee's so secondary so against the, Bryce so, Young. So, so this is the game they they care. This is the game they were looking. Bryce for. Young sat out this week to prepare for to this. prepare for Tennessee Makes sense. because they thought that they could handle. And listen, if it weren't for if it weren't for a couple turnovers, I don't know if A and M ever scores. Yeah, you know they they did they their offense was as bad as it always is. They just had some short fields and took advantage of them. But I, I do think that they purposely set Bryce Young out, and it almost bit him in the ass. They set Bryce Young out in a game that they thought they could win without him, and they wanted to they wanted to have him ready to go for this this matchup against Tennessee, which is a big matchup. And let's acknowledge that five games into being an FBS team, James Madison is ranked number 25 in the country. Kudos to those guys. Five games since becoming a Division I FBS program, the James Madison Dukes are 5-0 and are the 25th ranked team in the nation. What's funny is if this were college basketball, they wouldn't even be eligible for the tournament this year. So (laughs) fix that rule, college basketball. (laughs) Fix that rule. 
He's AJ Hoffman. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can always hit us up on Twitter at AJ is the real at Scott's on air. If you are listening to this podcast on RJ Bell's dream preview podcast feed, please go ahead and subscribe to the separate straight out of Vegas AM podcast feed. Just search straight out of Vegas AM wherever you get your podcasts from. We're on all the platforms or click one of the links that AJ or I tweeted out. Uh, We're pretty much going to only simulcast on the Dream Preview podcast feed twice a week, maybe for like the Monday morning show and the Friday morning show. So it's a lot lot of our NFL conversations. So in order to listen to us each and every morning, you're going to have to follow the new feed. Again, straight out of Vegas AM, wherever you get your podcasts from. And leave a little rating and review because it helps us out, helps us grow, raise awareness to us being on our own separate feed. You know, we're trying to separate from the big dogs. That's what we're trying to do, right? That's right. We're making a name for ourselves. That's right. (laughs) Going out on our own. (laughs) We're going out on our own. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are Straight Out of Vegas AM.